All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the NRL Hunter podcast. I am here with my good friend, Christy Titus of Pursue the Wild. Christy, it is an absolute honor to have you on the show. Welcome. I am so thankful to be on the show, and I'm super excited to shoot the Hunter series this year. What an awesome opportunity for hunters to get out and do some practical training and have a ton of fun. I'm so stoked. You and me both. When we were talking about this series, I was like, I, I got to reach out to Christy. There's, there's got to be something that we can do together. She's such a, um, a BA, a badass. I was like, yeah. I know she's going to love this. And I'm, I'm super happy that you're excited about it. Yeah, no, we're going to have a great time. And I, you know, I'm thankful that I get to shoot so many NRL matches this year and uh, be a part of it. Because last year with COVID, holy smokes, I didn't shoot any matches last year. I got to dust the cobwebs off myself. <laughs> I missed you last year. Usually we at least get to hang out once a year. And last year it was like half of my friends I didn't get to see. I was I like bummed. And no shot show, no nothing. And uh, yeah, it was just a big disappointment. So it's nice to be everything rolling out pretty smooth this year and people excited to get in the field and do some shooting. Absolutely. So for those guys out there, the, the the people out there that have been living under a rock, can you just give us a quick bio on who you are and, and what Pursue the Wild's about, just so they understand in context who we're speaking with today, because this is quite an honor. Oh, no, you're so sweet. <laughs> um, so I have a digital television series called Pursue the Wild. It airs on Amazon TV, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Basically, it's a digital content delivery. Um, and I do once a month a brand new episode, which would be like a short film. So it's either a big game hunt or a shooting competition. And then um, I'll run like a rerun. So like a, if you would imagine if you're watching outdoor TV, you have quarter three originals and then quarter four reruns. So same type of concept on a monthly basis. And then every other week I run a tip or a tactic. So it's, it's new gear information or how-to information. Um, so it, it would just be specific to whatever I decide to kind of produce for that particular month. Um, so sometimes it's, it's gear, optics, new optics, new rifles, how-to content. And it's a lot of fun. It gives me a huge opportunity to empower and educate kind of at the same time. So it's a little different, but it's going good. So I, I'm filming you, season five this year too, which is like, yeah, blows my mind. <laughs> it's insane, right? Time flies. Yeah. So there's a ton of hunting shows out there on, on the networks and on digital. And I'm going to say this. I watch a ton of different shows, but your guys' storytelling and your production and your quality of video, I mean, it is like top notch. Like I would say it's a nine out of a 10. And the only reason I say I don't say 10 out of 10 is because I don't think anything's ever perfect. I think there's nah, always nah. room for improvement. But nine out of 10, I mean, you guys produced really great content and tell a really awesome story. Thank you. Yeah, I am very blessed. I, I've worked with the same producer since the beginning of my series and we travel well together. We hunt well together. And, you know, everybody knows as a hunter, it's really difficult to be successful while afield when it's just you out hunting or possibly you with a guide throw a giant camera in the mix and have to have everything happen on camera and perfect 
things get crazy fast. So um, having a great field producer, I'm just extremely blessed um, to work with a great, great team. Yeah. Nice. Now, besides your hunting career and your television or your digital TV career, you're also a huge advocate and educator ambassador for hunting outside of your show. I mean, through SCI and NRI, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with uh, those organizations as well? Yeah, so I currently serve on the National Rifle Association Board of Directors. Um, This will be uh, kind of my last couple of months in that role. Um, But I've done NRA tips and tactics for them as well through, you know, their digital NRA TV platform. Um, I serve on the Hunting and Wildlife Conservation Committee through NRA, and I also serve on the Youth Shooting Sports Committee. So I'm really involved in hunting sports and shooting sports as a whole when it when it applies to like a national level uh, for Second Amendment or Pro 2A advocacy. So that is very near and dear to me. And then I also work with uh, conservation groups. Safari Club International is a group that I work really closely with. They are a nonprofit organization, their home base is in Washington, D.C., and what is truly unique about SCI is they have their own staff, lobbyists, and attorneys that are actually working in D.C. on a daily basis in the fight for hunters' rights, and so it's very unique. There's a lot of, I think, kind of misconceptions on SCI, too, because a lot of people think, well, it's all international hunting because of the name. Um, but what's really unique about SCI that's different than most nonprofits is that only 35% of one of their fundraisers goes to national. The rest of the money that's raised in a local SCI chapter banquet can stay within SCI communities. So if you are somebody that has a program you're trying to put together and fund for kids or shooting sports um, or any kind of outdoor outreach program, you can actually approach your local SEI chapters and apply for those grants um, and, and help kind of fund the, your own local outreach, which is really amazing that they do. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, well, because funding is, is, you know, it's so, it's so challenging. A lot of people have the startup fee issues. And um, so I, I, I work with Safari Club. Um, I work with another group called Raise Them Outdoors, and they've got a great program where they take kids and kind of do fake hunting situations and lots of shooting and fishing and teach kids really valuable outdoor skills. That group and organization um, was founded by a woman whose husband was um, overseas serving. Um, And she was a single mom, basically, because her husband's, you know, away a lot. And she's like, hey, how do I teach my kids to do these valuable things because their dad's gone? And so she founded Raise Them Outdoors kind of for uh, around the premise of military wives or single moms. Um, and it's, it's a great group. It's a great outreach and really thankful to work with them as well. So a lot of stuff going on. I, I shoot for Team Ruger. I just started competing in in um, precision rifle shooting um, because I'm a hunter and I wanted to be a more proficient hunter. And uh, that's led me into shooting NRL matches and now the NRL hunter match. And, oh, as fast how the stuff snowballs, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So from a, I mean, you started off as a hunter before your precision yeah. rifle competitor. Oh, yeah. And you've taken classes some, from some of the best precision rifle shooters in the nation. How or what has that done for you in the field when you're going after game? 
Well, for example, when I started hosting a TV show in my late um, 20s, early 30s, you know, my max distance that I was really comfortable shooting was like 300 yards. Um, I really, I didn't know how to mount my, my rifle scope. I knew nothing about um, setting eye relief on my optic. I knew absolutely nothing about ballistics. I mean, my dad would be like, all right, we'll just hold a little higher, <laughs> you know, when you're out of distance. <laughs> and um, I, I couldn't shoot any positions. My my shot setups, the times to set up a shot were so slow. And I had some really challenging experiences on hunts that took a took what should be a really wonderful experience and made it really hard. Um, mm. where, you know, I missed and that was my only opportunity because I was hunting public land and I'd been out there for, you know, a week or whatever. And, and then there it comes and goes and you kind of go home just totally defeated. And, um, so I had some things happen that were just really tough. And I had a buddy that was really frank with me and he's like, look, you need to learn how to shoot. And so I actually reached out to Magpul Corps okay. and I trained with Magpul Corps, um, for like five years. And I never oh, wow. thought of myself as like a precision rifle competitor. I would go and train with Magpul like twice a year um, and do two four-day camps twice a year just because I liked shooting. And then I met a lot of really great people like Ray Nindalls, uh, Tyler mm -hmm. Hughes, the Sanjus, um, Jake Vibbert, uh, just all these people in the industry of shooting um, that then were like, hey, you know, come shoot with us. And the shooting community was so friendly and welcoming that I started shooting with friends and I had then peers and um, and it was fun because the shooting community had girlfriends too. But now I go on a hunt. I've never thought I was going to be a competitor. I just wanted to be a better hunter. Now I go on a hunt and, and for, for all intents and purposes, you know, if there's a shot with a rifle to be made, depending on the conditions, you know, I'm going to know right away, okay, I can make this shot or I'm, I'm not going to even take this shot. And that alone makes me a lot more ethical because I can look at a situation almost instantly and say, look, I've got to get closer. Um, I can't shoot this from my tripod standing, but if I can get prone, I can make this shot or nope, the wind is too strong. So we need to do this or that. Um, so it's made me make better instant decisions with more favorable outcomes. And, and that's huge because when we talk about ethical hunting um, and we can get into that in a little bit, but knowing what your skill set is, is like 90% of the battle or 80% of the battle, right? If you're not confident in your abilities or the gear that you have, you probably shouldn't be taking a shot. Most people don't even know what they're capable of or not capable of because they go to the range and they take a box of ammo. They have 20 rounds. They set their gun on sandbags and they're sitting on a bench and they spend minutes sandwiching their gun onto a hundred yard target to make it perfect. And they hit the center and they're like, all right, time to go home. We're perfect. And it's like, wait a second. When was the last time you were hunting and you took two minutes off a sandbag to shoot a hundred yard target? Like it's not happening, you know? Um, right. So it's that practical training. I think a lot of hunters are missing that, you know, if you've not practiced shooting off of 
shooting sticks, should you really be shooting at an animal off of shooting sticks? Um, okay, well, now you're proficient at shooting at, sh you know, off shooting sticks at 100 yards. Have you tried 200 yards? Right. Um, what happens when you decrease your target size? So maybe you're limited to 100 yard range and you're hitting a 12 inch target, no problem. Well, what happens when you shrink that target to six inches or three inches? How proficient are you then? And so I think for a lot of people, they don't know even what their limitations are and they go on a hunt and they get pressured into taking a shot that they're not competent to take, they're not prepared to take and it goes badly and it damages an experience uh, and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. And that's what we're trying to teach with the NRA Hunter series is it's a, it's a competition because by human nature, we want to be able, we want to compete with each other, but yeah. that's not the focus. The focus yeah. is the education. It's can you make ethical shots under stressed conditions, you know, in the, in the competitions, the stressors time. That's right. Um, in the real world, it's the animal moving in and out of trees or walking further away or, you know, snowstorm or bad weather or whatever coming in, right? Um, does your gear work? Do you know how to use your gear? You know, a lot of a lot of hunters go out there and they buy a nice rifle, you know, um, whatever. I mean, it could be, to, to me, a $700 rifle can be just as nice as a $3,000 rifle. Yeah. It's how you take care of it, what it means to you. Cause they all do the same thing. They all shoot, mm -hmm. right? But it's what works for you. So a lot of times they'll turn those into safe queens and they only bring them out when, you know, a week before hunting season. And like you said, they put two or three rounds at a hundred yards and they think that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I personally, I'm a new hunter, but I would never shoot three rounds and be like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah, but you see it all the time. Or for ladies, no offense to ladies, because there are a lot of ladies that are really getting involved in understanding equipment and that are super BA hunters themselves. But there are a lot of ladies that are new and they're intimidated and their husband or their dad hands them a gun and it doesn't fit them. And it doesn't work for them and they are so frustrated and they don't understand why. And so there's this huge miscommunication of why is this not working for you? Why are you not right. able to hit the target that your husband is hitting and he's getting frustrated with you? And, you know, it could be something as simple as the eye relief is set for him and, and not you as the shooter. And it's actually poo poo on him for him throwing you the gun and expecting you to be accurate and repeatable. Um, so there's so much to it, you know, that I think this series is really fantastic. And coming from a hunting background, you know, I was terrified to compete. And, um, and even to this day, you know, when I step up to a match, I'm out there to have a good time. Like I'm here, I'm shooting with my friends. I'm not trying to be the best shooter in the world. I'm out there to be the best me I can be. Yes. And at every match, I take away training, valuable knowledge, experience, and all of that translates into me being a more successful hunter in the field. I can now do things on hunts with confidence and competence that I never could have done before. In the amount and in the rate in which I can execute a shot is fast. Like I will sit and watch people 
fumble around trying to get a shooting position for literally minutes. And in their mind, they're so excited that things are happening really fast. But you're sitting there and you're like, okay, hey, this deer's not going <laughs> to stand here all night long. Like, we got to get the right. show on the road. And so just going to these matches teaches you how to be proficient with operating your kit, your gear, your gun, knowing, you know, knowing your limitations. And I don't think people should be intimidated by it at all. They need to step in and look at it as this is, is a transformational opportunity for me to be what I feel like is, okay, yeah, I, I'm a hunter too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going on this hunt and I know I've brought the best I can bring for the best outcome for this animal. And really, I think that's the beauty of the whole series. And, and it's, I mean, if you're going on a dream hunt, if you're going on uh, Alaska safari or you're going to South Africa for safari or whatever it is, and you're spending a ton of money on that trip or you have a, a lot of time, uh, financial investment into it, you would think you'd want to be the most proficient hunter you could be before you get out there. One of the best investments you can make is in yourself because you can't buy success. You can buy opportunity. You know, you right. can buy that outfitter and, and pay for that hunt. And they're like, okay, well, there's the deer at 350 yards or, or 400 yards. There's your shot. If you miss, they have fulfilled their job. And you go yeah. home potentially with nothing. And so I want to go and do the best I can to make that shot count the first time, yes. you know, and not, I mean, that's, you can't buy success. You have to build it in repetition and training. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better. That's awesome. So one of the things that I know nothing about and I can't speak on because just anatomically it's not correct. How is gear different for a female competitor, a female hunter, versus what you see out there for most? Because 90, or I don't know if 90 is the right word, but a huge percentage of the gear that is developed is for men. Yeah. So I think small men have a lot of the same issues that women have. Um, and, and I think I feel bad for smaller guys because they're often overlooked as well because they run into a lot of the same fit issues that women run into. Um, but length of pull, for example, on a firearm, um, for me, has been a significant challenge. Now, fortunately, I shoot for Ruger, and a lot of their rifles out of the box have adjustability built into the rifle. So what I like about a lot of their systems is they'll have spacer pads that you can insert to make the length of pull longer or remove to make that length of pull shorter to accommodate smaller shooters and that you know that to me is not a man or a woman that is a human need right. um and so i'm you know that's one of the biggest things for me with gear um for i think people overgenderize things a little bit no, but like yeah what about like i was recently trying to find some great hunting clothing for yeah. my wife and there's not a lot of hunting companies that make gear for females and yeah. backpacks are different and i mean you have different frames you know most women have wider hips than guys and and um and anatomically you're yeah. just different so you 
my wife will grab some of my stuff, but it just sits on her like a blanket. Yeah. 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 So with clothing, I I wear Cryptek camouflage. And what I love about Cryptek is they have clothing made for women. And I've wore other lady camouflage manufacturers before. And their smalls are still very big. Cryptek's small camo is truly small. Their extra small is extra small. So you can take uh, adolescent girls that are small and it really fits them. Um, and But it's hardcore gear. Um, it's not kind of a shrink it and pink it kind of camouflage clothing. It actually is functional apparel that works in the backcountry. Um, and so that's one thing I love about Cryptek. And they've got, they've got really good looking clothes. Like my hunting jacket, right. I wear in town every day. <laughs> Their vests, I wear around town because it's got a nice taper. It's like fashion camera. It looks good too. So that's nice. Um, beyond camouflage, you know, there's, there's other things like backpacks. Kafaro makes backpacks that have multiple waist belt adjustments. So when you order a pack frame, you can order your torso length specific to the wearer of the pack and then also your waist belt. So you can get, you know, small, medium, large waist belts, depending on how big or small you are, you know, as a human. And, and like I said, a lot of this stuff like backpack sizing is, you know, there's a lot of really small guys that need small packs too. Um, the camo right. side, you know, the girls are a little tougher because we are shaped completely different than you guys. So, you know, I get a pair of camo pants in, you know, 28 men's and the inseams down to my knees. And then I go to step <laughs> over a log and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Pulling it up and it doesn't work. So that's, that's what's been nice about um, having true functional apparel from Cryptek. And actually shoot in their pants. Like the pants I hunt in, they have them in the Highlander and they have them in Typhon. So I can get that same nice stretchy pant and I can wear them at shooting competitions and in black. And then I can buy that same pant in the camo and wear it hunting. And there's actually a lot of ladies that are in the competitive field that have started wearing those pants because they're so comfortable and they've got great pockets. You can stuff your mags in, or if you're hunting, you can put your little wind checker in or your iPhone. And so it makes them really handy for all facets of shooting well that's perfect does cryptic make a traditional layering system mm-hmm. or is it all out like the outer shells no, so they make base layers uh not a specific base layer for women but they do make base layers um and then they make different a couple of different pairs of pants so valhalla is like that super you know lightweight kind of stretchy really nice fabric and that's the pant that i wear in um i would say like the summertime or early season because it's super super nice and stretchy um and then they have more of like heavy heavy snow stuff the velis is the super heavy like uh soft fleece on the outer with the dwr which is a durable water repellent um and so that is super super warm but for the most part on the women's um what i wear is um the hold on a second let me remember the name um uh hera jacket and that's a poofy coat and also they have the dalibor pant which is um a little heavier i wear that kind of in my midweight range like uh, fall hunts but it has a reinforced knee you can put knee pads in it it's super nice um but then they also have vests. So I'm a big vest wearer. So they have the hair vest, which has the hood. And then uh, another vest that does not have a hood. I think it's called the Artemis vest. Um, 
So that does not have a vest. And then there's different layers of shirts too. So different warmth factors on shirts, depending on what you want. So huge assortment. They have rain gear. Um, so just, you know, just really, they have a full season. Like everything I wear from the line for the most part is from the ladies collection. Um, so from inside to out, you got it all. Nice. Awesome. Okay. So another question that I have, if I'm taking a first time female hunter out or person that wants to hunt, what do you recommend for females to start with? For clothing, for firearm, for all of the above. Okay. So let's say, well, if you're taking a, uh, a younger lady out on her first time. What well, what animal first would you go after, and then based on that animal, what gear should we be looking at for her? So every hunt's going to be specific to gear. So whether you're archery hunting or rifle hunting, whether you're early season or late season hunting, it's it's going to vary significantly. So let's say for example, you want to invest in a rifle for your wife, and you just want to buy once. And you want her to be able to hunt uh, pretty much any North American big game animal. I shoot for Hornady. I love the 6.5 PRC. So PRC stands for precision rifle cartridge. Obviously, you know this. Um, what I like about this cartridge is ballistically, it's very similar to a 300 win mag. Very fast bullet, which, um, which means, you know, you're not going to have to dial as much as distance. Um, and then also it's really good in the wind. So when you get into, um, big valleys or switchy wind conditions, that big long boat tail bullet does really good at impacting the target where you really want it to be without having to really think about wind as much for most hunting situations. What I also, also like about 6.5 PRC, when you compare it to a 300 wind mag, it has about 60% less recoil. So I can take that 6.5 PRC, put a muzzle brake on it, and shoot that rifle very comfortably, and it's going to be very accurate cartridge for me um, in hunting conditions. And it's going to be effective for elk, moose, deer, antelope. It's kind of a buy-once rifle. Um, Ruger launched the um, Ruger Long Range Hunter in that cartridge and it's it, it's really nice it's got some adjustability on the rifle um, the length of pull has a huge adjustability um, has a picatinny rail on top so you can easily mount your optic um, and that rifle is what i hunted with a lot last year and really fell in love with it um, still a lightweight rifle it's just over seven pounds in weight um, but it, it just shoots very very nicely um, so for rifles, uh, you know, my other, my second cartridge backup would choice would be six, five Creedmoor. Um, okay. and so again, very light recoil, very good in the wind. Um, and it's got a lot of power. I, I took a bull elk with a six, five Creedmoor at 600 yards. So there's a lot of people that'll say, oh, well, it's not enough gun. I don't really agree with that. It's shot placement with everything, but um, I think, you know, if you are going to be hunting heavier boned, bigger game animals, the PRC is probably the better buy once option than the Creedmoor. Um, but both are, are very viable options for most North American hunting from that standpoint. 
And ammunition is readily available, available from a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the big manufacturers, especially Hornaday. Yeah, Creedmoor is a little easier to find than PRC right now. Um, but I think it's just because PRC is not as popular yet as the Creedmoor. So, you know, more big box stores, you know, you walk in and in behind the counter, you see Match 65 Creedmoor on the shelves where before you're like, what's six, five Creedmoor? In 10 <laughs> years, Hornady has completely changed the firearms market with the in invention of uh, the six, five Creedmoor. It's a very new cartridge and has revolutionized uh, the firearms industry, in my opinion, in, in 10 short years. So I think, the, I think the PRC will really catch on as well. Nice. Now, what game would you take of, new hunter on for the first time so for big game you know for me um it would just depend on where you live number one white-tailed deer is always a great hunt because there's you know easy op opportunities for hunts you know if you go no knock on some farmer's door in a state that you have a tag for a white-tailed deer and you say look my wife is here my daughter's here she's a first-time hunter you know, would you be opposed to us hunting your farm? There's a lot of people that will say, heck yeah, come on out and you can hunt my farm and take a deer, you know, if you're respectful. And um, so that's nice. The issue with white-tailed deer also is that there's a lot of private land. So access right. can also be uh, a bit more challenging. If you're purchasing a hunt with white-tailed deer, the price is a lot less um, than if you're purchasing, for example, a mule deer hunt. Um, if you want to mule deer hunt, you know, there's a lot of public land opportunities for deer hunting and even elk hunting, um, and especially with over-the-counter opportunities as well. And, and, you know, that always just goes into scouting, you know, uh, where to find them, where to go, what units to put in for. And that can be a really fun family experience, I think, for people to go from being behind a desk to actually being in the field. And, you know, technology has made it to where we have so many resources at our fingertips uh, from 3D maps, like Onyx maps, Onyx hunt. You can go online, look at aerial imagery in a 3D format and plan out your hunt virtually without ever stepping on the ground. And they've partnered with some other companies like Top Ret. So if you're an elite Onyx member, you can access the Top Ret software, which will tell you draw odds, stats, um, hunt success ratios, like all of this information is, is available at your fingertips. So you're like, okay, I want to take my wife on a mule deer hunt in New Mexico. What are my draw odds? Well, okay. My draw odds aren't as good in New Mexico, but if I pop over to Montana, I can get a tag for my wife and then I can buy an elk tag and we can hunt you know, two species potentially, um, depending on the unit. Sometimes you can hunt mule deer bucks and then, um, hunt cow elk in a general season so it just depends you can you can kind of start figuring out all of these fun combinations for hunts uh there virtually i think your your best bet is you know when you're looking at where to, where do i go what do i do is is that virtual how to with with everything is so dynamic at, in the computer anymore it, it's really crazy how technology has changed the landscape of how we hunt yeah 
Yeah, I can do GPS waypoints um, and they upload right into my computer. So when I'm at home, I can get an aerial view. Okay, I marked this spot here and that spot there and the elk were bedding over here. And you can see it like everything just comes to life for you right in front of your computer, you know, what you saw on the ground. And, and then the cool thing was a lot of this stuff, you can text waypoints to your buddies. Like, hey, you know what we saw, we got into elk two years ago in this drainage, boom, I know you have this tag, go there. And you can text waypoints to your buddies and then they can go to some of your hot spots if you want. And so it just makes it such a fun community. That's awesome. It's almost like geocaching. Yeah, pretty much for animals. <laughs> So, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, because for some people, it's like saying, which one is your favorite child? But what would you say has been your most favorite hunt? Oh, that is really hard. Um, so, I am, I think I'm an ad addicted to adventure. So, for me, that's really tough, because in the spring, I got to tell you, hunting steel is so freaking exciting <laughs> like it <laughs> you don't shoot anything but steel it is so fun it's so exciting and right. I think I think the level of competition from the hunting community the level of endorphin rush you get from a competition in the hunting community is not been realized yet um so that cannot be understated to me in my mind the value of that um but if I had to pick one thing yeah it's gonna be elk hunting yeah I mean, I love elk hunting. I like I like calling elk. I like talking to elk. I like having them respond. I like getting in close. Um, I don't think that there is a harder animal in North America to kill than a white-tailed deer with a bow, especially like a big one. Um, okay. When you start getting into trophy white-tailed deer hunting with a bow, they are freaking hard to kill a big white-tailed deer. The guys that consistently kill big white-tailed deer number one, usually have access to really premium property, but they haven't figured out, like, you know, you have to figure out the game of, okay, well, this deer is coming in over there. My stand is 40 yards in the wrong spot. Midday break, stand, move, or in the middle of the night when the deer are out of their bedding area and they're feeding in fields, getting out and moving stands in the middle of the night to put yourself in the right spot. I mean, it is, with a bow, a super challenge, like, it, which makes it, really fun but also really boring sometimes because you're sitting dark to dark and it can be really cold but um man when it comes together is pretty exciting especially if you're working a decoy and you can put a decoy out in a field and you have a big buck come in and like stand off with this decoy and hit <laughs> it and they're grunting and posturing and i mean it's really cool it's it's super fun too I wish our audience could see, see me how you're acting right now. She's <laughs> the best way I can describe it. She's doing the shimmy of how a bull would walk <laughs> on video. That's true. Well, yeah, no, that's what they do though. They, these deer, they come in and they're like, seriously, every hair on their body is like poofed out and they like walk slow and they like look sideways through their face and they're like, come up to this plastic deer and they i mean it's insane and um it's if you haven't done a decoy deer hunt you've got to try it during the road it's so fun i've never shot a deer before so i'm hopefully this year yes you're gonna do it i have a good feeling well help I, um, we, need to, we need to get you going in the right direction yes I, i'm i'm a complete student to all of it so whatever i can learn is 
what I'm all about. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about NRL Hunter is I'm gathering so much information about the adventure side of it yeah. that I don't know. Because shooting, I, I'm, I'm confident in my shooting skills yeah. with a rifle. But stalking and, you know, the right gear and, and how to walk. Like, I remember I went, um, I've been deer hunting for four years. And I've seen two legal deer that I can shoot. And it was after dark on the side of the highway. Of course. <laughs> or in the neighborhood <laughs> driving home. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, well, you know, and Travis, everybody does it a little different, right? Like, I am that hunter that pretty much every animal I've taken on camera during my series, I've taken off a tripod. There's a couple animals I've taken prone. Um, but for the most part, if you see me actively stalking an animal, my tripod legs are deployed, my, my rifle is slung over my shoulder, and when I get that moment, sometimes, you know, you only have 15 seconds, I can literally throw my tripod down, pop my gun up, and break a shot off like that. And, and people will be like, why are you walking around with that tripod deployed? And it's like, man, because I'm fast. <laughs> That's <laughs> right? why. And I don't have to worry about brush. So you have line of sight, line of bore. So, okay, yeah, you want to get prone. That's great. But do you have clear line of bore? Just because you have clear line of sight doesn't mean you have line of bore that's clear. Can you shoot right. over the brush in front of you from the prone? Like, you know, because if yeah. you're sh shooting a down angle on an animal in the brush, you're never going to get a shot, you know, even right. if you're in range. And so there's all these considerations people uh you know, easily overlooked, but there's a million ways to skin a cat. The, the fun thing about it is just figuring out your system. I also have an arm board. So I collect my atmospheric data usually only once, unless we have a huge temperature swing and I wear an right. arm board and man, when I throw my tripod up, I can pop a range and dial and shoot and it's fast. Um, and that's what you have to do. Cause sometimes, you know, you'll bump an animal, they'll run into a gorge, pop up the other side and you're like screaming at him to stop. Okay. I'm on him. Wait for him to stop. No, we're going to take your shot. Like you have like so fast it happens. You have to be ready and, you know, have all that stuff. And that's what makes it so exciting. I think. Uh, so the big question on that is, did you hunt off of a tripod before you started competition or is that new since you started competition? That's new since I started training in the quote unquote precision shooting world. Um, okay. And even when I first started shooting, I didn't really carry a tripod, but I don't go hunting without my tripod. Like does not happen. Tripod for me does a couple of things. I can use it as a binocular rest. So if I'm really working a grid on a hillside, um, I actually shoot my rifle off a of binocular rest so I can pop my optics up. I can work my grid and I can, you know, set my binoculars on a spot, go back, go to the restroom, grab a snack, throw my buddy behind my binoculars and be like, look at this. What do you think? You know, da -dee da. Um, then if I want, I can pop that off, throw my spotter on and do really detailed work with my tripod. And then the same little rest that I shoot, that I use for a binocular rest, I have a little pad that I put on. It weighs nothing. Uh, Phoenix shooting bags made it for me and it's got a little clamp underneath of it and I can throw that on and I can actually actively stock with that little bag on my uh, binocular rest. And when it's time for me to make a shot, literally all I do have, have to do is deploy legs. 
and I'm, and I'm able to shoot It's so fast. And, um, depending on my target, depending on the wind, you know, uh, it's just easier with a tripod. Now I've had some shots. I shot a deer a couple of years ago and it was like 115 yards and it was so windy that off the tripod, I was like working edge to edge with the vitals. <laughs> I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is windy. If this deer was any farther, I would have had to get prone, you know, um, just because the, you know, the tripod obviously has limitations, but for the most part, you know, once you run that and you learn, you know, you want one leg, you know, set forward so you can kind of get a little forward load, um, into your tripod and then what system's going to work for you because the tripod that works for me might not work for you because you're a bigger guy. So you might want to throw more weight into it. Your rifle might be heavier. Um, and so everybody's got to figure out kind of their system that works. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, monopods or, um, like bipod shooting sticks for standing shots and stuff. Cause the stability factor is so limiting. And if I'm going to carry a piece of equipment in the field to hunt, the way I look at it, I want to be able to use, if I'm going to carry it, I want to use that a piece of equipment all day long. I don't want to just use it for like one function. So for me, this tripod's a no, no brainer. So people are going to ask, they're going to want to know what tripod are you running? Do you remember off the top of your head? Yeah. So I work with it use a couple of tripods. So if I'm training at home and I'm practicing at home, I have a crux ordinance tripod and that thing okay. is the cat dad. They have a super heavy tripod that I'll use for competition. And then they also have a lightweight tripod uh, for hunters as well. But I also run the outdoorsman's tripod um, and outdoorsman's, you know, they're a great hunting brand, lightweight tripod. Um, and they have a couple of heights. Uh, so they have a super short, which, you know, their, their shorter tripod, I would just use, for example, for archery hunts when I'm just using it for glassing. Um, and then they have a, you know, the taller tripod that I would, that I would take on my rifle hunts for standing shots. Nice. So a couple other questions I want to ask you. Well, there's a million questions I want to answer, but I know, uh, our, our time is limited. What do we do as a community to get more women and children involved in hunting. How do how do we accomplish that? That's a big goal for the NRO Hunter Series. And I think you are a fantastic ambassador. Thank so you. how do we get these girls out there? Well, I think you guys are doing a good job because since, I mean, I've only been competing literally a couple of years. Um, and since I started competing, there's a lot of girls competing and these girls are really good. Like I'm showing up <laughs> and these girls are slaying it. Like they're top tier ladies out there shooting. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for like the food afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> these girls are really good. Um, and so I don't think, you know, especially in, in precision shooting, we can underestimate how qualified some of these ladies are like there's there's some real ladies that you can look up to melissa gilliland regina milkovich uh ray hong um and then i think what these you know several of those women those women specifically i think have done a very good job of reaching out to other ladies and making them feel welcome so right. um i think the hardest thing for me as a hunter 
coming into the precision shooting world was just the intimidation factor. Well, these guys are the best shooters in the world. They're going to judge me. I'm not going to hit anything. I'm going to be stupid or I'm going to make mistakes or da 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 Look, nobody there cares. You have your two minutes to 90 seconds. You're on the clock. And for NRL Hunter, you have four minutes. Right. It's your time. Nobody cares how you spend it. And the guy that wants to win first place is glad when you miss anyway. So just come and <laughs> learn. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's the cool thing. And, and what I think a lot of people need to realize is that everybody there is so helpful. They share tips. They share tactics. If you watch these top tier shooters, they're helping each other with wind calls not in the hunter series but in the other series they're helping each other with wind calls they're they're loaning each other gear um because everybody literally shoots a different match because when i shoot i might have a point to right wind hold and when the next person behind me comes it might be a gust and they're holding point four um and so literally the the nature of the competition is it really is an individual competition because mother nature is never the same for any two stages. Um, and I, and people need to come there with that in mind. And I think a lot of ladies are learning. It's a lot of fun. Show up with your husband, show up with your friends and just get behind the gun. It's, it's great fun. Like I just, I don't think there's enough ladies that have experienced how fun it is and the adrenaline rush it is. And it's just awesome. <laughs> You actually you get a full range of emotion yeah. at a match. Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty exciting to watch. Um, you know, those first round impacts, everybody gets super excited, and then they miss and that hundred yard shot, <laughs> and they're totally deflated. <laughs> or then you go to a stage and you zero it, and you're like, "What just happened?" <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> and then I just walk off the line sometimes and I'm like, well, guys, it sucks to suck. But that was fun. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, you can't, you can't be, uh, you can't, you know, you have to go there and have fun. And, and I think that's what it's all about in any competition. Um, obviously, there's people out there that take it very seriously and that's great. But for the majority of us, if you walk, my goal for the NRL Hunter Series is if everybody walks away learning something yeah. in a positive experience, then we succeeded. That's right. So what is your hunter's schedule like? Do you do you know what that is off the top of your head? Because I know you said you were shooting a couple. So I'm shooting California in March, and I'm shooting uh, Idaho in May. Awesome. And I know we've been talking, uh, we've been kind of scheming in the backgrounds in email and text about something really cool for yeah. the May match, yeah. for the Idaho match, the Night Force uh, match. Yeah. Do you want to give a little, a little, uh, little teaser on that one? Teaser? Uh, yeah. So yeah. So we're teaming up and we're going to be doing a super awesome like sweepstakes giveaway. We don't have all the details yet, but it's going to include... Night Force is my optic partner. They make the best optics in the industry, in my opinion. Love them. Um, but they're sponsoring that Hunter match in May. And so whoever wins the sweepstakes, we're hoping it's a new hunter that wins this. Um, or a woman. Like, Or if you are a guy and you win it, give it to your wife or give this opportunity to your kid. Like, That's really, for me, what I want to do or see with this. But I'm filming the match. Um, so you would come to the Idaho match in May. You would shoot that hunter match. I will provide a loaner rifle and optic 
and Hornady is going to provide ammunition. Um, you'd shoot the match. NRL is donating match fees. Um, so literally all you have to do is show up and shoot and we'll film it. And then in December, you're going to join me on a hunt in Colorado, a big game hunt. And I can't disclose the species yet because I'm still working on that. But it's looking like it's looking like a management type, really nice buck, uh, mule deer buck, spot and stock. Um, and then we would film that. So you would have your practice match we'd film and then like let's take it in the field um and so this is really kind of aimed for new hunter recruitment and getting people excited now you just have to tell them how they enter okay so we're gonna do this sweepstake we're hopefully announce it within the week all the information will be on nrlhunter.org um christy has done a ton of work already in, in getting some of her amazing partners um to participate in this sci allen um, Onyx Hunt or Onyx Maps. Yep. Um, We're working on that list right now, so it's going to get better as the days roll out. Absolutely. And, so, and we're going to be working the best that we can with this as well. Um, but it's going to be an awesome hunt. Like, I wish I was going on this hunt. I wish I, wish I could win. I'm like, me, 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 me. <laughs> well, the place we're going hunting is one of the best places in the country for hunting. And it is an unbelievable opportunity for whoever wins it. They're going to have just an incredible experience. I know that. So um, I'm very excited to welcome whoever wins this into the hunting community and uh, congratulate them once they make that shot count and shake their hand and send them home. It's awesome. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I can't wait to announce the official details for the sweepstakes. Um, I'm super excited about our partnership and us working together and you coming to shoot some matches. Yeah. And us being able to hang out this year. Um, we are just about at that time frame. Is there anything that you want to say to our, our audience before we sign <laughs> off? I mean, you're you're on your extended honeymoon. I can't keep you all to myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I would just say um, to follow me on social media, it's just at Christy Titus, and then my, my, my website's pursuethewild.com. And from there, you can, you know, navigate all of my shows and tips and tactics. And I also have YouTube. Um, but yeah, that would be, you know, it'd be awesome to get some, some people kind of following along with some of the stuff I'm doing and, and communicating with me. And if they have questions, you know, just shoot me over a DM. Not on Facebook. I'm not good about answering those. Do it on Instagram. I'm much better about it there. I'm not good at any of the DMs. I just, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if you need to get a hold of me, my email's everywhere. You'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that that's awesome. Uh, Christy, I can't wait to see you here in a couple of months. I really, of course, everything wants to happen right at the last minute. <laughs> um, as I was saying, I can't wait to see you here in a couple of months. Uh, it's going to be a total, total fun experience. Um, I'm going to bring my husband. He may or may not have a shirt on during the match. I'm not, I can't promise it. it's in California. So we might be bronzing <laughs> while filming. I don't know. We're, we're still up in the air. I don't know. <laughs> we got to get him to, to compete in the match. He doesn't want to. He's like, ah, he's going to do some camera work for me and um, shoot some stuff. So it, it'll be good. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it'll be a pleasure to meet him. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, thank you so much for everything that, that you do for, um, the 2A community, for the hunting community, for the competition community, for everything that you do. I mean, you have a, an amazing amount of, of um, 
projects that you're constantly working on. It just it blows my mind how busy and, and successful you are with everything that you put your your touch to. So congratulations uh, on the wedding, on the, the yeah. new husband. And on that note, I'm going to say get out of here and go spend time with yeah. your husband. <laughs> Thank you so much, Travis. I appreciate everything you guys are doing, too. Likewise, and for all of our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, uh, keep shooting, be safe, and we'll see you all in a match. Take care.